0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, September 1st. I'm Matt Hoysh. In today's headlines, arrest made an investigation of suspected local cocaine supplier and distributor. Filmfest releases 2022 lineup. Paid forward with Christina Dixon. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... KOTO informs the public about nonprofit events and provides organizations an opportunity to promote them. KOTO believes in lifting up other nonprofits in the community. This is how we all succeed and continue to provide for our community. Help us keep this work going by supporting KOTO during our summer fund drive. Head to KOTO.org to donate. And thank you. a man suspected of being a significant source of supply and distribution of cocaine in the town of Telluride has been arrested. Late last week, Giles Alston of Arizona was taken into custody following a months-long investigation by several local, state, and federal law enforcement bodies, including the Telluride Marshals Department, Mountain Village Police Department, Seventh Judicial Drug Task Force, Drug Enforcement Administration, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, Colorado Bureau of Investigations, Montrose County Sheriff's Office, and the Montrose Police Department.
1: He popped up on our radar and um, was, you know, someone that we were we were looking into. Um, so, you know, taking him into custody in, in a safe manner was was of a of a priority for our department.
0: That's Telluride Chief Marshal Josh Compt. According to the marshals department, this is the third arrest in two years of significant drug traffickers who were selling illegal narcotics in the mountain town. Alston, the marshals department notes, is alleged to have filled the void created by the first two arrests. Compt points to several local deaths when underscoring the importance of the investigation.
1: We've lost four—believe it was four residents of the San Miguel County within the last, you know, give or take, the last year. Um, You know, and that was from, you know, the consumption of illegal narcotics. So us kind of focusing on trying to keep that out of our community. And, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of bulletins that are coming out about the spread of fentanyl and how it's been laced within cocaine and other pills and and other things. So us being proactive and trying to go after dealers at this level is is a significant sort of department in order to try to prevent any future, you know, future fatalities from this.
0: The investigation, the department adds, is ongoing and more arrests are likely Anyone with additional information can contact the Telluride Marshals Department at 970-249-9110 or use the DEA tip line at dea.gov slash submit tip. Tips can be left anonymously. The lineup is out for the 49th annual Telluride Film Festival. With almost 90 feature films, short films, and revival programs, this year's festival runs the gamut. From Goodnight Opie, a documentary about Opportunity, the Mars Exploration Rover, to Broker, a South Korean film, about two friends who sell babies on the adoption black market. Other major films include Armageddon Time, which will bring James Gray, Jeremy Strong, and Anne Hathaway to the Box Canyon. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, bringing director Alejandro González Iñárritu. Bobby Wine, Ghetto President, bringing Christopher Sharp, Moses Buayo, Bobby Wine, and Barbie Chiagulanyi. Empire of Light, bringing director Sam Mendes and Michael Ward. Lady Chatterley's Lover, bringing Lorraine de Clermont-Tonnerre, Emma Corrin, and Jack O'Connell. One Fine Morning, bringing Mia Hansen-Love and Leah Seydoux. Senior, bringing Chris Smith, Robert Downey Jr., and Susan Downey. Tar, bringing Todd Field, Kate Blanchett, and Nina Haas. And Women Talking, bringing Sarah Polly, Frances McDormand, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Judith Ivey, Jesse Buckley, Sheila McCarthy, Michelle McLeod, August Winter, Kate Hallett, and Liv McNeil. The festival will also honor actress Kate Blanchett, writer director Mark Cousins, and actor, writer, and filmmaker Sarah Polly with Silver Medallion Awards for significant contributions to cinema. Guest directors Kantamir Balagov and Kira Kovalenko will also present a selection of films they have curated. For the weekend. Several events throughout the weekend are free and open to the public. For the full festival program, head to TellurideFilmFestival.org. The 49th Annual Telluride Film Festival runs at venues across Telluride and Mountain Village from Friday, September 2nd through Monday, the 5th. Sometimes, when covering the news, we miss the people who maybe aren't doing anything dramatic or new, but deserve a little recognition for being one of the many community members who hold our region together. So, KOTO News is running a new series, Pay It Forward. Each segment, we'll talk with someone in the community about their life and tell your Telluride journey, and then ask them to nominate someone to shine a spotlight on for the next segment. Last week, we spoke with Ana Hurtado. Her choice for our next guest is Christina Dixon co-founder of the new motorcycle business, Telluride Moto.
1: She
2: is, on my own opinion, you know, those are person who came from their country, and um, she's doing really good. They um, raised seen their kids really well, and uh, she already has a business, a motorcycle business. I think she'll be a good person for
0: be here. Our conversation with Dixon began with her time growing up in Argentina.
3: So I grew up in Buenos Aires, that is a big city. My house there is very close to the river, Rio de la Plata. And uh, I went to the school there and I got jobs related with um, tourism because my career is a travel agent and I was working there. And then one day in my vacations, I decided to ski in Bariloche and I met my partner, my best friend, (laughs) my husband. (laughs) So we get in love and then we married and then kids and then life.
0: (laughs) Can you tell me the story of how you wound up going from South America to Telluride?
3: It's our story. Because since uh, Frankie has this new job as a ski instructor, I was having my kids, very little kids in Argentina. So he started coming just alone. So I spent two or three seasons, like my summer season in Argentina, and he was working as a ski instructor here. And then one day we realized that we have to travel together because the kids were <laughs> growing and when they have three-year-old, they need that around. So, but yes, it was much easier for me. So we start coming back and forth together. But when COVID happened, we were here working in Telski. Then the season stopped. And then we realized if we are going back to Argentina, maybe it's hard to come back. So at that moment, we decided to invest in the States. We invest in um, something fun to do that is a motorcycle company. <laughs> and um, it was that that allows us to stay more or longer here.
0: What was it like starting a business during the middle of of a pandemic?
3: Well, first, we couldn't move from this country because everything was like stopped. So when that happened, the only thing that you, well, us were thinking was, okay, what we are doing, what we need to do. We need to keep working. And, you know, like a brainstorm. And then this was one of the, okay, maybe it's working. And then open a company. It was a challenge because we we never opened a company here in the States. I had to learn so many things. But, you know, I learned. And it was amazing. You know, when you push your limits and it's working, it's... I mean, I feel proud.
0: <laughs> what do you like about Telluride?
3: I can see for the last 15 years, people that is smiling when you are going for a walk, <laughs> that they are not just tourist persons. I, I can see my neighbors. I can see a lot of people. Like when you are going to the post office, I mean, this is not happening in another place. <laughs> and I appreciate every moment that I'm, I feel like a tourist all the time and get impressed about going around Telluride. I, I just grab my bicycle and just go around to have that feeling.
0: When are you your happiest?
3: My kids, they make my day every day. (laughs) I don't have any doubts about that. No matters. Most if they are like biking with me. (laughs) If we are doing something outside, outdoors with my kids. Oh, that's heaven.
0: That was local businesswoman Christina Dixon. Tune in next week for another installment of our Pay It Forward series, to hear from Dixon's nomination for someone she thinks deserves a little recognition. The rodeo is back in Ridgeway this Labor Day and Erin Stadelman wants one and all to join.
1: Anybody from age zero to 99 should come to a rodeo.
0: Stadelman is this year's president of the Uray County Rodeo Association. Even though she didn't get a horse until she was in her 30s, Stadelman says she's been crazy for them since childhood.
1: You have to work in synergy with a horse in order to be successful. And to see some of these animal athletes and the way they perform, it just brings out a great deal of pride in me when I see that happen. You know, I I know that horse. I know that rider. Don't they look wonderful together?
0: Running for over a century, she stresses the Uray County Rodeo is a family-friendly event.
1: There's a great deal of humor and enjoyment involved, and you get to watch a top-notch athletic competition.
0: Of course, there will be professional athletes competing in a range of competitions.
1: Our events will include team roping and barrel racing, breakaway roping, steer wrestling, and of course, we've got bulls.
0: There's also several local events, for participants to sign up for at the rodeo, including the pickup race.
1: Which is uh, one participant on a horse and one participant at the other end of the arena. And you run your horse down to the opposite end of the arena as fast as you can. Swing your rescuee onto the back of your horse and run back. It's a timed event.
0: There's also steer packing.
1: That is a team event. It's four people, one horse versus a steer. And a steer isn't as big as a bull, but it's certainly not a calf. It's kind of mid-range. And you've got to put a pack saddle on that steer and then load it up with assorted things, uh, feed bags and a wash bucket, and then um, encourage that steer to move forward. It's a spectator favorite. We've been doing it for about 15 years.
0: And of course, mutton busting for the kids.
1: We've got 19 sheep coming with our stock contractor and for some reason, the parents like to put their kids on top of those sheep and watch them run into the arena. I don't know if you've ever been on a sheep or near a sheep, but they don't smell really good. But they love it. Everybody loves it. Everybody wins. That That's definitely a fan favorite.
0: The Uray County Rodeo kicks off at 1 p.m. Monday, September 5th at the Uray County Fairgrounds in Ridgeway. And there's other festivities earlier in the day, including a parade at 10 a.m. down Sherman Street, That leads to a rodeo barbecue lunch in Hartwell Park. From there, rodeo gates open at noon. More information about this year's rodeo is available at uracountyrodeo.com. The Talking Gourds Poetry Club is back with their monthly Bardic Trails Poetry Night. September's featured poet is Zoe McKenzie of Shiprock, New Mexico. According to a press release, Mackenzie has the, quote, notable distinction of having broken each of her extremities at least once in the last five decades. An eternal early bird, she aspires to one day sleep until 8 a.m. Mackenzie's reading will be followed by a Q&A about her work and inspirations, as well as time afterwards for poetry sharing from attendees. This month's Bardic Trails Poetry Night will be Tuesday, September 6th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. over Zoom. To register for a link, head to telluridelibrary.org and click on the Events tab. (sighs) Breathing. Feels good, doesn't it? Well, the Centennial State might be one of the best spots to do it. According to a recent study, Coloradans have the second-highest levels of lung health in the country. That's according to the Lung Institute, which focuses on information around better lung health. The study factored in statistics from the last five years around the change in smoking rates as well as the change in pollution level. Colorado's second place is thanks to a 1% decrease in smoking rates over the last five years, and a decline in fine particulate matter pollution of roughly 7.8 micrograms per cubic meter. Virginia came in first with a pollution reduction of 5 micrograms per cubic meter and a 5% decline in smoking. Tennessee, Delaware, and Washington followed in third, fourth, and fifth place, respectively. According to the study, Texas came in last place for lung health. Colorado lawmakers met Thursday to edit the state's voting guide. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, having the politicians involved in writing the so-called blue book has been controversial in recent years. Nonpartisan researchers at the statehouse write summaries of all the ballot questions. They do this after extensive research and interviews with supporters and opponents. But then lawmakers can vote to make their own tweaks. This political part of the process has sparked lawsuits on multiple occasions now. Two years ago, conservative groups sued lawmakers and accused them of editing the Blue Book language in favor of a property tax measure. But courts have refused to get involved in the editing process. This November, voters will decide 11 statewide questions, ranging from spending income taxes on affordable housing to legalizing so-called magic mushrooms. The Blue Book usually gets mailed out in September. I'm Scott Franz. Dr. Nikki Gonzalez's one-year term as Colorado State Historian just finished in August. She is Professor of History and Vice Provost for Diversity and Inclusion at Regis University in Denver. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Laura Palmisano spoke with Dr. Gonzalez as she reflected on her tenure as Colorado's first Latino state historian. Dr.
4: Gonzalez, thank you for joining us
0: today.
2: Oh, Laura, thank you. This is my pleasure.
4: How did it feel to be Colorado's first Latino historian?
2: Well, I really didn't know what to expect in the beginning, to be honest with you. And it felt like I was surrounded by supporters and love for the really the entire year. I would say that especially the Latino community, but not just the Latino community, those who care about inclusion and like trying to work toward a more full picture of Colorado history really embraced my appointment. And so I received phone calls and text messages and emails from people all over the state just wanting to share their histories.
4: What accomplishments are you most proud of during your time as state historian?
2: I think one of the things I'm most proud of is being able to validate people's histories so when people would call me from the tiniest towns for example in the san luis valley or the western slope or rural like mountain towns or rural towns on the eastern plains and just want to share their family history and the fact that i was able to listen to them and validate them and ask them questions and engage them and kind of encourage them to research more, I would say that that is one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of. And the other is probably the work that I did with Marisa Volpe at History Colorado in designing and creating When we're still working on it, so a year it goes by really quickly, but we're designing a fellows program for youth to engage youth in the collection of oral histories and historical artifacts, and so that's something else that I'm proud of.
4: You are also a member of History Colorado's State Historian Council. What does the council do?
2: The council consists of five historians from around the state who represent different backgrounds and different areas of expertise in usually Western history. When we serve as ambassadors, well, one thing we do is we support whoever is appointed the state historian for that year. And otherwise, we just serve as history ambassadors, you know, in our fields. And we get called on for interviews for, you know, questions that community members have or the organizations have. So I would say it's just a like a diplomatic core of, of people who are trying to promote the study of history.
4: Talk to us about your area of specialization in history.
2: So my area of specialization is the American West, more broadly speaking, and then more specifically, I study the American Southwest, the borderlands, And I do a lot of Chicano or Mexican-American history. I specialize in the history of land grants and the social movements of the Southwest, particularly around the Chicano communities. And then more recently, I've started a a project that looks at the oral histories of Chicano-Vietnam veterans.
4: What does that entail?
2: So that has a very personal connection too. My dad is a former Marine who served in Vietnam in 1967 and 68 at the height of the of the war. And I always had questions about what that experience was like. And he was always he has always been very reticent to to share those details with me, although he is now opening up to my sons, interestingly. But my desire to know more about his experience because it was profound right these these young men were at the you know the most formative age and they had this really extraordinarily traumatic experience at age 19 or 20 and so i would say that my curiosity about my father's experience has really driven my research into the experience of chicano vietnam vets and basically i said okay my dad doesn't really want to talk to me about this so I'm going to talk to people who were like him and who had that same experience. So that's where that comes from.
4: And what are you learning?
2: Well, I'm learning that, I mean, for one thing, that experience politicized you know, an, an entire generation of young men who were told that they were fighting for democracy abroad, and then came back home to second-class treatment here in, Col- well, I'll be specific, here in Colorado. And so many of them would join the Chicano movement activism, they would join the anti-war efforts. I'm also learning that it was a traumatic experience and that Chicanos served in greater numbers than any other demographic group. And they tended, along with American Indians, to be placed in the most dangerous positions once in Vietnam, you know, because I guess the assumption was that they were expendable.
4: Wow. How, how does that make you feel?
2: Well, it's something that I've thought a lot about, and it's made me make sense of my own, my own dad, you know, and his kind of outlook on life, and, and others like him, and my community. I mean, it, it has enabled me to make sense of a lot, and, you know, it's something I think that has been repeated through American history, that there are certain populations that are considered more expendable than others, And I think that's extremely unfortunate, but the more we shed light on it, the more we as a society can address it.
4: That was Dr. Nikki Gonzalez, a noted historian and professor of history and vice provost for diversity and inclusion at Regis University in Denver. She is also a member of History Colorado's State Historian Council. Gonzalez was appointed Colorado State Historian last year by Governor Jared Polis for a one-year term. She was the first Latino to hold that position. I'm Laura Palmisano.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Friday should be sunny with a high in the mid-70s. Friday night expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high around 70 degrees and a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday night should be mostly clear with a low around 50 degrees and a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Thursday, September 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to KOTO during our Summer fund Drive. A huge thank you to Elaine and Tom Schradl, David Oliver-Smith, Andy Frunk, Jeff White, Debbie Fest, Kirk Merlin-Alberg, Jim Berkowitz, Amy Yenkin, Dylan Cooney, Kevin Rund, Elizabeth Lavery, David Rubin, Scott Lamont-Pinker, Amy and Donnie Peters, Steedman Bass, Casey and Margaret Olson, Jim Looney, Sarah Myers, Kyle Kohler, George and Kathy Albino, Mike Balzer, Sean Christman, Jay Ferguson, Marty Prohaska, Eileen Cahillane, Marcus Roddy, Ellen Bradley, Walter Weatherson, Wendy Brooks, Elliot Brown, Cindy Gallagher, Morgan Wells, and Larry Holmgren. Thank you all so much.